Hello and welcome to Speaking Startup, Missouri Business Alert's podcast covering the news and issues important to Missouri entrepreneurs. I'm Jack Anstein. And I'm Casey Murray. On today's episode, we'll discuss my experience at the Startup Missouri Expo that took place this week. And later, we'll hear the story of Jana Westbrook, a former nurse who started a business to solve a problem that causes headaches across the healthcare industry. Plus, we'll have this week's headlines, digits, and other startup news you need to know. So what are we waiting for? Let's speak startup. So, Jack, it's great to be back podcasting with you this week. I know. I've been missing our weekly podcast, but now that we are back um, on a regular schedule, I'm so excited about it. Me too. Um, Did you do anything fun in our weeks off? Yeah, I've just been getting all organized to come back to school, and even though most of the day I spend on online classes in my apartment, I have a few in-person classes that let me get out and about. How about you? I also have been getting adjusted to being at school. Um, Most of my classes are on Zoom, but at least that cuts down on my travel time. Absolutely. And why don't we get into this week's headlines? Absolutely. St. Louis venture capital firm Stadia Ventures is investing in four new startups from all over the world. The firm will make an equity investment in each of the companies, and the new startups will participate in a 14-week business development accelerator program. The new cohort includes Gameface AI from Australia, Gamergy Esports from India, and two companies from Los Angeles, Obsesh and Pulpo AI. All the companies are involved in developing technology for sports and esports. With the new cohort, Stadia Ventures will now have 51 companies in its portfolio. The Kansas City Tech Council announced its annual No Coast Award winners this week. The awards recognize people for being trailblazers within the technology scene in the city. Among winners were Blake Miller, the CEO of smart home software startup Homebase AI, who won Tech Connector of the Year, and Kathy Bush, chair of the Kansas State Board of Education, who won Tech Champion of the Year. Garmin, a Kansas City area device maker, won Outstanding Contribution to Tech, and Jenna Beckett of Centric Training won Tech Educator of the Year. St. Louis-based startup T-Care plans to expand its reach in St. Louis after securing $3 million in financing. T-Care provides analytics for social workers, care managers, and care coordinators, and aims to help family members taking care of a relative. St. Louis-based venture capital firm 630 led the funding round. With the new funding, T-Care plans to expand to new business segments, and the startup plans to double its team in the next 12 months. A St. Louis telehealth startup called Resilient has been selected to participate in Techstars Future of Longevity Accelerator, which is a new accelerator program that works in partnership with an investment firm created by Melinda Gates. Resilient is one of 10 startups selected, all of which focus on developing technology and products that can be used to help care for the elderly. Resilient was founded in 2016 and works on expanding telehealth so that doctors can perform checkups and minor procedures via the internet. The startup will receive $120,000 through the accelerator and will participate in a 13-week program. about funding deals in this week's headlines, and I came across some other funding information this week. Okay, what's the info? Businesses led by women are 63% less likely to obtain venture capital funding than those led by men, 
according to research from the Columbia Business School and London Business School. Oh, that's pretty sad. Yeah, and it's something that hasn't made great progress over the years. In 1990, no women-led companies were backed by venture capital at all. And today, that number is only about 12%. Wow, I know the disparities between men and women in business are definitely getting more attention these days, but how did you come across this information? This week, I attended a session about women in entrepreneurship at the Startup Missouri Expo, and it talked a lot about how to bridge the gaps that still exist between men and women in entrepreneurship. There were two panelists. One was Michelle Robinson, who is the founder of Demi Blue Natural Nails, a vegan and toxin-free nail care brand. And the second was Nicole Mercier, who leads the Center for Technology Management at Washington University in St. Louis. And they had some interesting ideas about how female entrepreneurs can promote their business. What kinds of things do they talk about? Well, Mercier talked a lot about the initial barriers to entrepreneurship. She talked about the fact that women aren't often viewed as having high-growth potential which is really important to securing initial funding, and that has really important ramifications for women entrepreneurs. Researchers from the London and Columbia Business Schools found that women achieve just as much success in business as men, but only if they achieve VC funding, which they aren't as likely to do, partly because they aren't seen as having that growth potential. She said this is sometimes because women don't have the right language to promote their business and aren't as comfortable commercializing their products. Here's one quote from her from the expo. A lack of exposure to commercial activities. Their networks aren't robust like their male counterparts. And so not only do they not have the networks into industry that can help them partner their new ideas that have come out, but they don't even know where to start a lot of times. And put that together with not being invited. Men are more likely to be invited to participate in the process than women. And it's really daunting to get up over that barrier. This is something Mercier has been involved in a lot herself in her role at WashU and has started a program seeking to bridge these gaps. So as they introduced, I started a program in 2014 called Women in Innovation and Technology to really think about those barriers and how could we take on lowering these for women. And so part of what we did came out of an article that was um, published in 2011, and uh, Kirsten Winnington is a researcher at Reed College in Oregon. And she demonstrated in her paper that if women were given the language of commercialization or innovation, and they could raise their networks, then they participated at similar rates as their male counterparts. Okay, so with her program, she's trying to help women fit in more to the world of entrepreneurship. Exactly. And this kind of leads into another topic discussed in the session which was how to market your products to investors who could for the large part be male. This was especially important to Robinson, who runs a beauty business. She talked about how she tries to relate the importance of her business to men who are probably not consumers that would be interested in her product. I try to speak to men from that aspect about my business and about the importance of the beauty industry because I know that really doesn't appeal to men like it does to women, but they do have families. And so I try to um, have a conversation surrounded around education, educating them on my product, educating them on the importance of wellness and health, and, and then introducing them to my brand. Okay, she focuses a lot on appealing to people male investors care about. She does. And the importance of using the right language to promote your business was an important theme. But the panelists also acknowledge that sometimes it's not going to happen. And if you're from a community that has traditionally been given less opportunity, you may need to look elsewhere. So if you're 
trying to sort of change somebody's mind and you feel that that person isn't paying attention to you because you're female or, or because you're from a different population, then I would just go find a supporter of yours and try to use that person's network to get you where you need to go. So it's really hard to bang down a solid door, but there are a lot of people in the venture capital community and in the investor community who do understand this issue, who do believe that there's a disparity between how men and women engage, how African-Americans engage. They understand that there's a real problem here. Um, and there's a lot of supporters in that community. So I would say, don't just keep banging on the closed door, try to find the open door and, and go in that. I really loved her optimism, which was definitely present throughout the conversation. If people from underrepresented communities and entrepreneurship have the tools to succeed, they can, and those tools are becoming more available than ever. That's great. It's always nice when a conversation about entrepreneurship seems hopeful these days, with so many business owners really having to adjust to make things work. Do they have anything else to say about how to reach that success? Robinson touched on the need for an entrepreneurial community and how much it truly takes to make a business happen, which I think a lot of business owners can relate to. I will say that entrepreneurship is a true dedication. You first have to research your target market. You want to make sure that you're protecting your brand name. You want to make sure that you put yourself in a position to be mentored, to allow feedback, and to have a mindset that your business is not only, you know, a labor of love for yourself, but for your community. Just keep going, stay positive, and take advantage of as many resources that that you can. And again, inject yourself into St. Louis's ecosystem because there are opportunities for, for success. I definitely think we hear that again and again from business owners, that running your own business is so hard, but so rewarding. I know, and that's definitely something the Expo wanted to address. Working hard to keep your business going is always going to be easier with the right knowledge and support network. On-demand services play such a pivotal role in our lives, from streaming music and videos to having your lunch delivered with a click of a button. But did you know that on-demand staffing in the healthcare industry existed as well? On-demand staffing? How does that work? Well, St. Louis-based startup Provider Pool created an online platform to help connect healthcare organizations with nursing professionals. This gives nurses the ability to choose when and where they work. Wow, I can imagine there is a high demand for nurses at the moment, given the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, Provider Pool founder Jana Westbrook said that the company has grown over 100% each month for the past five consecutive months, and that COVID-19 was a catalyst for the business. That's pretty aggressive growth. Yeah, and the company is hoping to continue that trend. Provider Pool just completed the Techstars Kansas City Accelerator Program, and Missouri Business Alert reporter Tom Cavanaugh chatted with Westbrook to hear about the startup's plans for the future. Hello, I am Tom Cavanaugh, a journalist with Missouri Business Alert, here with the founder of Provider Pool, Jana Westbrook. From my understanding, you start off nursing, right? Yeah, I'm a registered nurse. Can you talk about like um, how you got into nursing and um, how long you've been a nurse for before Provider Pool? Sure. So I knew working in healthcare is like being a kid in a candy store. I knew that I wanted to work in the healthcare industry. And so I went to nursing school actually right out of high school. 
I became a CNA while I was in high school and then an LPN by the time I was 20. And I just kept branching up. So I became an LPN and then an RN and then a BSN. And um, I'm going to school for my MSN now. But I've been working as a nurse now for 10 years. Where did the idea of provider pool come from? Um, so I was a director of nursing in a long-term care facility. And I really, really struggled with staffing and recruitment. Turnover rates were really high. Um, we were offering a ton of employment incentives like tuition reimbursement, loan repayment, higher wages, and we still could not find and keep nurses. Um, so using like a temporary staffing firm is sort of a last resort. And that's where we were and it just wasn't a good experience. I just wanted to create a way for healthcare organizations to have access to nurses whenever they needed them. I wanted it to be completely automated and streamlined with technology so that it could be a fast and convenient process. I didn't really know anything about business. I just, you know, I've worked in healthcare since I was 17. So it's all I knew, but I knew that it could be done because at this point, you can pretty much get anything that you need on demand. There's on-demand attorneys, on-demand car rides, on-demand accountants, chefs. And so there was only a matter of time before you could have on-demand healthcare professionals. Um, so yeah, I just, I quit my job to try to do it. So uh, you kind of gave even a general description right there of how it works, but can you talk about maybe how it works more from the nurses end, how they like get involved with your company? Yeah, so it's completely self-service. Um, we focus on them and their brand. So they're not actually applying to a job, but they're joining a marketplace community where they sort of build their own reputation as a five-star healthcare professional in this online staffing community. Um, so a nurse registers on the app, they create a profile, they you know upload their headshot and their credentials and their resume um, for local facilities to see. And then they receive push notifications whenever facilities post job opportunities in their area and they can sort of um, pick whichever ones they want to work. So they just log in and pick up shifts at their leisure. It gives them complete control over their career. They have flexibility. They get to choose when and where they work and how much they get paid. Um, so they love it. You, do you have any like hard numbers on how many nurses and health facilities are currently using provider pools? Yeah, so we have about 800 nurses all around Missouri. Um, we were focused on Missouri first, and I think next will be in Indiana and Illinois. We have one building in Illinois. Um, we have about 37 facilities or uh, nursing homes. We focus on long-term care, so like nursing homes, assisted living, and CCRCs. Um, the, it's primarily LPNs and CNAs, but we do have a few RNs. So it's primarily licensed practical nurses and certified nursing assistants, but we do have a few registered nurses. How did you get linked up with the uh, tech stars? So uh, Lisa Mitchell, who is the managing director of tech stars Kansas City, was actually in St. Louis um, back in March of this year. She was sort of, uh, she was scouting companies for the summer program. So I met her at a place called Cortex. It's like a co-working space in St. Louis. And we had a chance to sit down and talk. And um, I really liked what Techstars stood for. They have really, really great 
like the outcomes, they have really great outcomes. So companies that have that go through Techstars historically do really, really well. And uh, I was at a place where I knew that I had found product market fit. I knew that I there was significant demand for the problem we were solving, but I just lacked the strategy. Um, and I, when I met Lisa, I knew that Techstars could sort of give us more strategy and sort of mentor us and guide us to execute well. Um, so yeah, then I, I decided to apply and we got in. What yeah. problem would you say provider pool solves? Um, helping healthcare organizations find nurses. Um, I think COVID has pretty much proven how important our essential workers are. And um, so we help healthcare organizations find nurses. You know, it's, it's not a matter of luxury. It's a matter of necessity that hospitals and healthcare organizations have the appropriate number of nurses caring for their patients. Um, so now more than ever, nurses are in such high demand um, and we really, really help healthcare organizations have the nurses that they need to care for their patients. And would there be anything else you'd like to add? I do think that we might branch off into other areas of healthcare. Right now we're in long-term care, but you know, there's home care, there's hospice, there's urgent care, outpatient services, and obviously acute care, which are, you know, your hospitals. I do see us moving into other areas of healthcare and maybe bringing on other titles outside of nursing. So those ancillary healthcare professionals as well. Thank you so much again for doing this, Jenna. To learn more, there's actually more in depth in profile on our website, MissouriBusinessAlert.com. entrepreneurship. The digit I've chosen is 1.5 million. Why 1.5 million? BioSTL, an organization that aims to advance healthcare innovation in the St. Louis area, received a 1.5 million dollar grant to establish the Center for Defense Medicine. The center will help startups around the St. Louis region develop solutions for the U.S. military. The solutions will focus on medical technologies, from medicines that could be used on soldiers to defending against health-based tactics such as radiation or chemical attacks. My digit is 44%. Tell me more. Spirit of St. Louis Fund, which is an investment fund that provides seed capital to Midwestern startups, has increased its portfolio from 16 to 23 startups since the start of the pandemic. That's 44% growth. Venture capital investment in the St. Louis area and elsewhere slowed down in the second quarter due to COVID-19. However, the spirit of St. Louis Fund said it still has capital and still sees opportunity, so it will continue to invest. The fund is a joint venture launched in 2018 between St. Louis-based venture capital firm Cultivation Capital and local investment manager Twain Financial Partners. About 75% of its portfolio is based in St. Louis. And that just about concludes this week's episode. We just need our closing thought. Michelle Robinson, who is the founder of Demi Blue Natural Nails, discussed her biggest mistake as an entrepreneur at the Startup Missouri Expo. Let's take a listen. I think that I've spent a lot of time doing a lot of things myself instead of reaching out to people who had already done it, people who had the experience, and allowing them to help me. And so now I have a team of individuals (laughs) 
who are my consultants, they are industry experts, and then I continue to do the research um, myself to ensure that I have the tools to better educate my customers and to provide better products. That's all we've got this week. This has been Speaking Startup from Missouri Business Alert. This episode was produced, edited, and hosted by Casey Murray and me, Jack Hanstein. Our theme music was produced by Elliot Bowman. We'll speak to you next time.